one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And we are here to talk about the treason of Thrawn, Ryan Johnson, and the essence of Star Wars, Star Wars Resistance, and Obi-Wan Kenobi coming to the TV. Wow. Joseph, this is a 
packed show. It really is. It's going to be very hard to talk about anything but Obi-Wan, but I will do it. We will have to force ourselves. <laughs> but any one of these stories, plus the book review, lot to lot to get to. So we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, before we dive into all the juicy tidbits, we want to catch up on Star Wars life adventures. And, well, Joseph, the biggest Star Wars life adventure wasn't had by us. No, it was literally someone giving life. That's a pretty big life adventure, <laughs> giving life. Uh, our partner in <laughs> podcasting and in friendship, uh, Jennifer Landa, uh, has a new Padawan. She released the information into the wilds of social media, so we wanted to be sure to share it here. Uh, we love Jennifer. We miss Jennifer, but we were so happy for her to uh, take this break uh, so a new Padawan could come into a world. The Padawan's name is Alea. Alea. I love that. Right? A-L-E-Y-A. So you got, it's like little Star Wars. It's yeah. a little uh, different outside of our a normal name. I have never seen this name before yeah. in my life. I Googled it to find out what it means. Yeah. Uh, and uh, at least the first hit, because uh, I, I, I only looked at the first hit, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, the name uh, has an origin meaning uh, reaching for the stars and not settling for anything wow. but the highest goals. I'm like, wow. Oh, wow. I, I feel already replaced by this baby, by this next generation. <laughs> Reach for the stars, <laughs> baby Alea. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to Jennifer, her husband Joshua, the whole family, uh, the dogs, everyone. Yeah. A new teammate, a new uh, a new member of the of the tribe, and that is uh, a, quite an accomplishment. We're so happy for Jennifer. Absolutely. And if people don't follow Jennifer on social media, A, they just should. Yeah. Uh, and there's just some wonderful pictures of the whole family, including, I think, to the interest of people listening to Force Center, a wonderful picture of baby Alea on an Ewok guardian type blanket. <laughs> very beautiful. I'm very jealous of that baby. <laughs> the comfort of an Ewok. Uh, so again, Jennifer, congratulations to you. We will uh, wait. We await your return, but no, it's going to be on your timetable and we can't wait to have you back, but we're so happy you get this time to uh, bond with baby Alea here and uh, our own life adventures. I had a couple, but did you, I mean, you had a birthday. I had a birthday. I think yes. that's, we don't want to bury that lead. <laughs> I did. I had a birthday. They always come no matter what. You don't plan for them and they're just there. Uh, yeah, I had a really nice time because uh, I had my birthday weekend and my wife had the first time she's had uh, more than one day off in a row in, uh, nice. in several uh, months. Oh, nice. So that was really, really nice. We had lots of fun adventures, uh, many cocktails, lots yeah. of uh, old Hollywood red vinyl type locations. Yes. Uh, and you know, I always like talking about Star Wars life adventures in terms of being surprised when you don't even plan a Star Wars life adventure. Mm. I had some predictable ones. My wife got me some Star Wars gifts, a wind-up gonk droid from the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I like that. Many fun Star Wars gifts, but we had we have a bunch of movies that have piled up that we've bought on Blu-ray that we enjoyed in the theater and go, we want to watch again. Mm-hmm. And then for the day after my birthday, we we're just going to stay home. Like, all right, well, let's let's pick three movies. And I realized... These are all bear movies. Let's have a bear-a-thon. So we watched the movie Christopher Robin. We watched uh, Brigsby Bear. And then we watched Annihilation, which, if you're not familiar with it, has a terrifying bear scene. Uh, so it's like, oh, this is so great. We're going to have a, a, a bear marathon, a bear-a-thon. And then I realized, this is a Star Wars actor marathon, too. Oh, yeah. Because Christopher Robin is uh, features uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, C.O. Bibble, Hondo Wanaka, 
Oh, right. <laughs> Commander yeah. Dicey from Last Jedi. It's lousy with Star Wars actors. Yeah. Uh, and then Annihilation is basically Poe Dameron, Padme Amidala, slash Vic, because <laughs> <laughs> those actors are married in that film. Uh, and then Mark Hamill and, and Brigsby Bear. It was just That's one of those right. great, like, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. When I watched these films the, the first time, I noted it, I enjoyed it, but then I put them together for entirely different reasons. And then it was like, damn. Star Wars is here. Star Wars finds you, sir. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, we we wish you a happy birthday online, but belated happy birthday to you, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, Look good. Jealous of your smokehouse trip. I had a nice smokehouse trip. That's good. Did you go? You went on a Friday night? Yeah. Was Marvin singing or? No, I don't know the name of the woman. Uh, She was great. Uh, It was a live band, but they also had a track uh, playing with them. And they did a lot of uh, more modern songs. And by modern songs, I mean like 80s or 90s. So it was it was a woman with a beautiful cocktail lounge uh, voice singing like word up and doing the butt. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a it was a hell of an adventure. Uh, uh, I love that. Yeah. How about you? What were your life Star Wars life adventures? Finally finishing up this long move, which means my Star Wars life adventures mostly consist of deciding which Star Wars uh, pieces of memorabilia are going to be locked up and not on display <laughs> because uh, lack of room uh, and all those other factors. Uh, but we're not done yet. We're not, we're not done yet. I have all my Black Series figures locked up, and that's kind of disappointing okay. and, and depressing. But we're going to work through that. Uh, but it's all. <laughs> Also good for me to kind of now when I go down the toy aisle, it is not with grubby little hands. It is just to observe uh, politely in the toy aisle and go, those are nice toys. I will not have them. In, uh, someday, yeah. if I might, maybe yeah. it would help your mm-hmm. your emotional state if you didn't refer to it as locked up. That might. I mean, but maybe, you know. In seclusion on Tatooine, waiting for the right moment, waiting for there the will of the force to speak. <laughs> waiting for the call to be put on out there on display again. Uh, but I also, on Friday night, it was uh, Grace and I, kind of our first night when I was now in the house and she's in the house and the move, which has been very, very drawn out and long. Uh, it was finally uh, wrapping up, right? Yeah. And we was like, oh, so let's have our, uh, just a night in, night at the house. So she got to pick the movie. I made a dinner, and she picked The Force Awakens. Damn. And what's so fun is she's a Star Wars fan. She isn't a casual fan. She loves Star Wars. But unlike you and I or other folk who watched the those movies over and over to study for trivia, to research <laughs> for projects, or just in, have it on the background, she hasn't seen Force Awakens in a couple of years. Damn. So as much as she loves that, she loves the character of Kylo Ren, she loves Rey, um, she, she, it was great to watch it with her yeah. and have her go, oh my gosh, I forgot about that scene. Oh, I love that scene. Ah, that's the best. <laughs> and just have that base level of joy that's yeah. always present when we watch it, but it was very fresh in her eyes and to see her react to that uh, and just the little things like is that bread that Ray make that's practical you said yeah. Like, yeah they pulled something together and everything like wow and just she really loves the stuff so it was fun to have that adventure through her eyes it's so great to, that we spend a lot of time in the trees and that's nice yes. uh, that it's nice sometimes to pull back pull back and look at the forest Absolutely. and just go this is this is a great action adventure comedy space fantasy fun yeah. thrilling deep movie and just let it play out and just the big moments the fist pumping moments that you know we see over and over again as much as we love them just to see him again uh the ending of the movie everything ray gets a lightsaber ray defeats kylo and kylo's you know again her favorite new star wars character yeah uh, it's so funny to to see her just be like yeah <laughs> it's not fun. It made, it made for a great friday night 
Yeah, that's awesome. Those are our Star Wars adventures. We know all of you have them out there, too. So keep on adventuring. But we're going to dive into Star Wars news and only three items today, Joseph. But each one of them could be a main topic. Each one is a shack roast, a huge, huge pile of Star Wars news meat. Absolutely. Diving in with the first bite. The headline reads, Ryan Johnson and the freedom of his new Star Wars stories. So he was up at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, promoting Knives Out, which is coming out uh, with this fall, right, for mm-hmm. general release. Uh, I haven't heard the response yet from the critics. We'll see. But I love that trailer. And as we know, you're promoting something, but you've had a part in Star Wars or something to do with Star Wars. You're going to get questions about Star Wars. And he did get it. He was speaking with The Observer, talking about his still... Very unknown Star Wars project that is still very much happening. And he talked about how the project, him and the writers, the producers, the story group, everyone is stepping beyond the legacy characters. And there is a fun challenge of determining what is next. He talked about figuring out what the essence of Star Wars really is. And also discussed uh, that when making a Star Wars movie, you have to be efficient with dialogue. Want to come back to that there. Uh, So there's a lot here in this interview with Ryan, who's such a just a Star Wars fan, Joseph. Where do you gravitate first? What's the first thing you loved? Uh, I think just the the reminder of specifically what he says about it. It's this exciting blue sky period where they're trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. Free of a lot of specific expectations because you're moving beyond the legacy characters. You know, imagining that we truly know nothing. This could be as absurd and out there as a new galaxy mm. beyond the unknown regions. There's a new galaxy. This could be a, a you know, a small mm. conflict, of, of, you know, among planets set, you know, 10,000 years after the sequel. Tri- we don't know we at all know. how, where it's set. And it's interesting to me that that's not what he's talking about. Yeah. Cause that those are nitty gritty details to me. What he's talking about is the essence of there's a cocktail of ingredients that made star Wars mm. what it is. Which ingredients do I think in Lucasfilm think is absolutely necessary so it's still Star Wars? It'll be in space, so there'll be stars. There'll be a conflict, so it'll be a war. (laughs) (laughs) But beyond that, you know, you can list all of these things of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Um, And I think it's really interesting that specifically in this interview, he said that larger idea, but saying it's been really fun to think about what personally mm. star wars is to me so i i think it's really interesting to go what are the cocktail ingredients mm. but also to each individual creator tackling the non-skywalker saga what speaks to them mm. because there might be something that other people consider like yep yeah, nope star wars has to have x yeah it might not to somebody else and that's kind of i think in the in the brave new world that we're in and it's a question, the essence of Star Wars is a question you kind of have to ask yourself as a, as a person who consumes this stuff almost with every book, story, comic. Yeah. Like, is it there? Is it there? And uh, I cited you the other day on, on Council because you, you always come back to what I feel is one of the ingredients uh, that is the serial adventure. Yeah. Uh, and we're obviously, we'll talk about uh, all the time. Uh, here, now, in the future. George's, it speaks to 12-year-olds, the morality play, everything like that. And that is part of the essence, too. That's what he just told Favreau about yeah. the Mandalorian, uh, which is interesting because I have a sense that Mandalorian is going to be a lot darker than we think. But if it still uses those kind of things, Sith was dark, so it makes sense. But the serial adventure thing, just as a mechanic of, of storytelling, yeah. seems to me that kind of has to be there. Yeah. If that 
But again, that's just for me. In that, well, <laughs> and and it, it isn't there in a lot of the novels because yes. structurally it doesn't uh, make as much sense necessarily. Right. Or honestly, I feel like as much as I love The Last Jedi, mm. Ryan Johnson was interested in the deep ideas. He was interested in trying to, you know, spend as much time with characters as possible. And I feel like he did manage to introduce the serial I- adventure, but... It didn't, doesn't feel to me like it's the thing that he was most passionate about. Right. So, like, that's a great example of, like, well, maybe he feels like, to him, Star Wars is about these big, meaty ideas. But it's, and obviously has a sense of whimsy and sense of fun. So, maybe for him, it's right. all dark side and porgs, uh, <laughs> metaphorically, not literally. Yeah. But that pulse-pounding adventure, out, out, you know, one problem leads directly to another. Maybe he's like, no, it's Star Wars doesn't always have to have that storytelling. Maybe we can really slow down and maybe it can be shaped a little bit more like a traditional three-act film. Right. We don't know. Well, uh, I'm just yeah. I'm just spitballing, but I yeah. do think it's really important for our, ex- our expectations that Kathleen Kennedy has said that in the, dra- la- mm. the Director and Jedi um, uh, right. documentary about she feels one of the main ingredients of Star Wars originally is this was George Lucas's baby. George Lucas is the world's most successful French film auteur yeah. that he just made exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And that's what they're going to encourage people to do, to put their personal stamp on it. There's, yeah. And I think Ryan has talked about how he doesn't want to give the specifics. But, yeah, there's a lot of, of, of personal storytelling in The Last Jedi for yeah. him, things that reach out to him. And, and even driving here, I was contemplating just the journey of Luke Skywalker, particularly in Last Jedi, and how much I, I just love it and how it speaks to a hero, but the fallible hero, and how we have to maybe move beyond. We all be our own hero. All these things we've talked about over and over yeah. again. And, yeah, it's this big stuff. And it's like that's part of the essence of Star Wars, too. And I don't like to lock it into lore. Jedi lore has to be there. Or, yeah. or me, Rebellion versus Empire. I can get locked into that. We're going to go into Thrawn Treason a little bit later. There was times where I'm just like, this is great. I, I, I don't know if it's my Star Wars. Yeah. And that's fine because other people take So it's a big question, though. But I love that Ryan says it's fun. Yeah. Challenging, it's exciting. But fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because who knows what's next? Uh, yeah. And we, we did an episode a, a long time ago now about what makes Star Wars Star Wars to us. And I think yeah. it would be a fun thing to revisit uh, mm-hmm. when when these kind of discussions are happening and are going to happen more and more. He talked about this thing here. I understand it, but I want to dive into a little bit more. He discussed about when making a Star Wars movie, you have to be efficient with dialogue. And, and he was talking about how when he's writing Knives Out, it's kind of back into, quote, the normal world, the real world of storytelling. You're not worried about laser swords and space wizards. And he got to just go all over the place. We saw the trailer with Chris Evans, you know, yeah. uh, sequence there. Do you find that true? Yes. The, the need of efficient dialogue. Yes. Like that, that speaks to me greatly. Just a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Knives Out is, you know, it's a parlor murder mystery has a lot more in common with, I think, where like earlier classic films came from the um uh, came from playwriting came from it right it's, it's only on a few sets and it is really about characters sitting there talking to one another right. star wars not only like we talked about the serial adventure has that uh massive um forward momentum that mm-hmm. it needs but in any script you know writers talk about a, every line of dialogue has to be doing like about three things it has to be showing us the character it has to be entertaining us it has to be advancing the plot i feel like star wars you just look at the script of Last Jedi yeah. and you look at maybe a juicy scene between Luke and Ray and you think about 
everything that's being said that speaks to uh, the history of Star Wars, that speaks mm-hmm. to where the character is, that speaks to where the plot is going, that's just general world building. And then look at how many actual lines are said between Luke and Ray. Right. And I, to me, that's one of those things where you can dislike Last Jedi. It can not be for you, of course. But when people accuse Ryan Johnson or mm-hmm. Abrams and Kasdan of lazy writing, it's just like as a writer, mm-hmm. it's not lazy writing. You have to pack every line with yeah. four to five ideas about so many different elements. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. true in general, but especially true of something like Star Wars. I think, yeah, totally. I totally agree with what you're saying there because, uh, you know, we know George dialogue can famously get in the way of the story he's trying to tell. <laughs> and he's maybe not the best with dialogue. You'll hear that over and over. But he tells a story with sound, pictures, energy, yeah. uh, the momentum, and it's there. And you could watch the prequels with no dialogue and get the story. And that's what he wants to do. And I think you, that's part of maybe the essence of Star Wars, too. So I totally understand what Ryan's saying because. You, you, you know, again, like you just said, everything you just said, it isn't there's no sitting around Tarkin and Vader banter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a stylistic difference. Yeah. Right? You yeah. can't do it. it is, even some of the things I love about, let's say, Game of Thrones and Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister having a conversation about their marriage. Uh, you don't get that with Han and Leia. It has to be in this little moment. Yeah. And all the information. And I mean, that that is hard. It's stylistic, yeah. too. Right. I mean, a a movie, I assume, like Knives Out, obviously I haven't seen it, is yeah. going to be a little bit more realistic dialogue. It's going to be family members talking to one another as their various vendettas and issues slowly leak out. Mm. Star Wars still comes from that pulp tradition where characters speak sparsely. It's it's big. I don't want to say tentpole filmmaking, but it's it's big epic modern myth making. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's got that down. He's got that down indeed. But with this new small insight, we, we talk often about what do we want Ryan to tackle? And now it just comes down to simple predictions, <laughs> speculations, and desires that will probably our answers will change. Uh, and then we also need to ask, you know, again, what's the essence of a legacy characterless Star Wars story? How do we, how do we, what do we want? What at this point, let me say this at this point in time, what do you want Ryan to do? I want in epic adventure that has a mythic feel to it that feel that has that same feeling of the past matters Mm -hmm. and characters are worried about the future but something in the element of like the the hero's journey i don't feel like it needs to be a traditional hero's journey Mm, yeah but very but things that make you feel that way that feel like we've heard this story before this is like it's from a storybook yeah. But it's not. It's new and fresh at the same time. So that that feeling of very old with that feeling of very new. Mm. And then just cut, wherever it's set in the timeline, when we get into that nerdy things, in wherever it's set in yeah. location or time, I just want it to be so removed from everything that it can be a new experience. I love digging in the canon books. And, oh, wow, this book mentioned Castellan from uh, Resistance uh, animated series. So it's all connected. I want a new experience that's totally disconnected there is no reason that the things that we know would be mentioned because okay it successfully expands the palette of star wars then that yeah that that scares me in a wonderful way yeah. like i want to see <laughs> i want to see if i as a fan will be like all right they're not talking about the empire they're not talking about the republic uh it's something else entirely and we have maybe different words for things we already know if, if the force shows up i mean that would see you Think in some way, shape, or form. The Force, yeah. the Tide, Mr. Weavers, whatever you want to call them. Um, 
but it, for me, it's changed where I'm like, I, I, you know, maybe he should do, maybe he should do that G-rated Jedi Academy type of story. <laughs> and I think that to me, that's you, you want to make that an animated show or something like yeah. that. Um, maybe he's the format. It's the formation of the Jedi, and he's working with Benioff and Weiss, and, and they'll do the dark side, and he'll do the light side. I'm like, that's ah, cool, but then then it's tied into something. I want him to go all by himself. Uh, but that's a challenge for me as a fan. What yeah. you're describing is interesting. A lot of people we hear this time that we're talking about with the Obi-Wan story. Oh, give us something new, new, new. And then you get something new and you're like, whoa, too new. Too new. <laughs> yeah, you it's know? scary. But yeah, I would love it if it would set, you know, somewhere else, somewhere, yeah. a different, a different place, a different time in a way that really doesn't connect. And it is, it's a, it's maybe it just happens in one star system yeah. and there are people there who are force users, but they don't call it the force. They don't have the same yeah. philosophy. They approach it in entirely differently so the storytelling can approach what george lucas did which was take a lot of basic tenets of many many religions kind of strip them back to a a core idea core ideas yeah and you know what if ryan johnson did that and it is called the flow (laughs) or the mist (laughs) or whatever uh or or something good uh and and it was just a different yep philosophy to it you know what if it's a a world where people feel like everyone should be attuned to the force and everybody should be trying to use it yeah and and jedis are not jedi there's no plural of jedi i apologize so (laughs) the jedi are it's not at all exclusive it's yeah you know, you're shunned from society if you don't try to tap into it. Like, yeah, okay. and just look at it in, in an entirely different way. So that core idea of Star Wars, the truth that the Force is everywhere, is true. Yeah. But it's, they've never heard of the Jedi. The Force, it, they have their own name for it. It's its own thing. It's approached differently. Then we see you're tapping into the same depth of ideas that mm. speak to us, but in a totally new way. That's the kind of thing I I suspect will happen you you mentioned the hero's journey it's it's part of the backbone of lucas's storytelling and, it, and it's present in the prequels it's present in definitely original trilogy and, and it's present in the sequel trilogy rays on one no, yeah kylo might be on a different kind of um do you feel do you, could ryan tackle this without doing uh, another version of uh, you know the, the the farm kid rises up and uh and and, and taps into a power they didn't previously have. I mean, that that's not just Star Wars. That's a time and right. time, uh, right. a time tested trope and a story structure. Yeah. Do you want, you mentioned the hero's junior, but for a different point of view, how, how would you try to mold that right now? He already, the hero, he or she already knows what they are. <laughs> the, the, there's 12 of them, you know, or it doesn't exist. I don't, I, I don't know. It's beyond my pay grade right now. Yeah. To me, I would, I would, I think there is a, uh, a, a gem of it in, in the last Jedi with mm. Luke facing, uh, yeah. these trials. I think it's in honestly into the spider verse with, uh, the older Peter Parker mm. facing a different life. He's already gone through his hero's journey. Sure. And I do think that those are some of the really specific trappings. I mm. don't, I think it starts to feel too similar if it is a young person stepping into adulthood for the first time who right. finds a mentor, but then loses them. Like we've told that story yeah. in star Wars and outside of star Wars again and again. But I think those, uh, those values that you can learn and relearn that Lucas is so interested in why he keeps saying it's for, for 12 year olds. Mm. It doesn't have to be a strictly traditional hero's journey to get to that yeah. part. You know, imagine you start with somebody who is a misuser, yeah. who is entirely sure of their belief structure they're 35 and something happens to fundamentally shake that mm-hmm. that's different from the hero's journey, but it still has that same, like, who do you want to be? How do you face the challenges? Were you right? If you were wrong, 
how do you correct without overcorrecting? All of these things that we face in real life yeah. and get joy from seeing turned into beautiful fantasy where we can also throw things with our minds. There's big sprinkles of that with Kanan and, and Luke and Last Jedi. I, yeah. That's why I just keep going. I love Luke's story from beginning to end, but loved how it ends. But Kanan, a little bit of, I, I, I'm intrigued by that. Because again, when we talk about it's for 12-year-olds and, and George wants to teach you moralities, that again, does not mean you have to be watching a seven-year-old pod race. Yeah. It, it, there, the point is there's these lessons and you should look, and look at Luke and go, wow, you can turn back on what you believe or go into a cave and hide. And how do you deal with that? How do you come back? That is a lesson for a 12 year old too. Yeah. It's all there. I think people get locked into that. I see you know, uh, George says it's for children, but then his characters killing children. Yeah. You can't have it both ways, George. Like that. Ah, it's not that he's putting <laughs> lessons in front of you. Yeah. And also showing here's how you could choose wrong and the effects of that. So, a 35-year-old person in another galaxy going, I don't know if I believe anymore. It's yeah. a powerful lesson for all ages. Yeah. Part of the essence of Star Wars. Or maybe it's just Luke Skywalker on another Valstar. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> we could go on on this. Seriously, this yeah. could be the main topic, as could be this next one. Kind of quietly, after Joseph and I finished recording last week, all of a sudden we get a Star Wars Resistance Season 2 trailer. And snuck into that was, oh, and the final season. Yeah. Real snuck. <laughs> real, yeah. real quick. The so, second and final season of season. The Resistance. <laughs> so this is with D23 coming up. I guess they wanted to get this out now. I don't know if there's a strategy to that. Maybe any hubbub about this being the final season will be washed over with what the uh, information that comes out of D23 will be. And we're expecting some pretty cool stuff. Uh, but this trailer itself, they do trailers well. Going back to the mm-hmm. Rebels trailers where you're like, wow, uh, let's dive into what we saw. And then what do we think about a final season, Joseph? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I was really excited by the trailer in general. And uh, for, for myself, just nerding out on really specific little details, I was thrilled to see Sedona Thano. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, just it, really just fulfilling the Star Wars prophecy that if you look, you put someone in cool armor, mm-hmm. eventually there'll be more storytelling about yeah. them some way, yeah, somehow. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'm really excited to see Sadan Athano. Uh, Guavian uh, Death Gang was in the, the Guavian the, the Death Gang yep. and yep. D2 battle droids, which is I, I always love that. Like, how does the legacy of, you know, the prequel era lurking yeah. around and like, yeah, there's no reason that somebody couldn't go start up some foundries somewhere and start yeah. making some droids. So lots of, lots of great things to nerd out about, uh, in terms of the actual what's in the trailer. Yeah. The final season, I don't know. I, I have a, I wish it weren't yeah. in a way. Yeah. But this is, this I think gets into kind of, a uh, from a certain point of view, sort of my bias. I hope that this was going to be like clone wars mm. and continue after the resistant after the sequel trilogy movies right. and kind of tell the story of the war the way the mm-hmm. clone wars themselves kind of got skipped in the prequels and then the actual wars were told in in the clone wars animated series so the fact that it does seem like it's more just going to be like this two season thing that kind of gives you a different perspective a more like the little person not to be yeah. insulting but the you know the, the small guys fighting the big fight right uh perspective on the uh the sequel trilogy on the resistance war. I, I'm right there with you on that because that's what I hope this would grow into. Uh, and and I, now I'm maybe excited. We'll get it in another fashion. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's part of the decision. Look, the trailer was epic. Uh, we got Kylo Ren. We got Phasma in the brief. I didn't sound like one 
Christie? I could be mistaken. She is not in the list of yeah. credits on the StarWars.com page announcing it. So yeah. intriguing. Intrigued. Uh, which the, So I have this one question. What is the timeline? Because we have crossed the events of Force Awakens. Yeah. We see Hosnian Prime. We're in that era. Colossus is gone. We got days between the end of Force Awakens and the Last Jedi is what we you know kind of get a sense. I don't know the exact hours and minutes. Yeah, Phasma's got a, not a lot of time to handle stuff, <laughs> and I actually like that. Yeah, I actually like that. Yeah, yeah. The StarWars dot com page announcing this mm-hmm. said that it was set amid the events of the Last Jedi and before the rise of Skywalker, which sounds like it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to lead us to the doorstep to the mm-hmm. opening mm-hmm. scenes of the rise of Skywalker, but I can see a world where it's like, all right, Interesting. Uh, yeah. the, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if any Canon statement has been made. It's not the kind of thing that they like to make Canon statements about the yeah. length of time that passed in last Jedi. Right. But you could stretch that to the, yeah, that's a week. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Um, and days. we don't know yeah. exactly how long between a couple lunch breaks. Yeah. And there, there's a couple days between, you know, yeah. last Jedi and or force awakens and last Jedi. Yeah. So it could be that this final season is all just kind of happening in that time period. Yeah. Uh, it does look like they're going to different places and that they're really going to address the state of the galaxy because they yeah. have that line of dialogue like uh, the First Order is everywhere just taking over. That, and that goes right along with the crawl in yes. Last Jedi, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're taking military control of the galaxy. Uh, and I'm intrigued by that and, and intrigued in seeing that in any way, shape, or form. This could look – this could – Phasma could be in the first episode, and then they move past that. Uh, Phasma dies or gone, and then Kylo, that could be Supreme Leader Ren speaking, and then then we get a sense of what happens after and what you just described. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's Supreme Leader Ren. I don't think they're going to do this, but it'd be pretty awesome if uh, they they had Phasma survive as I want her to survive. (laughs) She's out of the First Order, she's out of the battle, but she survives in some way would be awesome. Absolutely. Planned or not. And that's the other thing, too. Look, if you want to run a YouTube channel and use this to uh, slam Disney Lucasfilm, your conspiracies will say they've canceled the series. It wasn't good. No one likes Star Wars and it's gone. Lucasfilm was in that's kind of was always the plans. We just didn't really announce that. It'd be a weird thing to announce to say it's only going to be two seasons, but yeah. get real excited. Yeah, yeah get excited. That's tough. And, and I, as a fan of uh, your British comedies or, you know, two series of The Office and a Christmas special, I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't take that as but anything that's negative. not traditional American it's advertising. Not. It's I not. would be fine with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people would. A limited series, whatever you want to say. But I did. Do you, do you feel this? There's enough time to connect, though? I, I we're so used to Clone Wars and even four solid, powerful seasons of Rebels? Yeah. It, does it, Do you feel like, oh, I'm not as connected right now? Because I, of, like, almost like, oh, only two seasons, eh, I'm not as connected. I think there's a risk of that. I That this, if the season is what the trailer looks like, where they're really dealing with not the day-to-day on the Colossus, but really dealing with the characters being mm. at war, going from location to location, trying to get resources, trying to get partners, constantly fighting the first order and it is really kind of a running war then i'll be satisfied yeah okay if it is a little bit more day-to-day on the colossus i i really enjoyed the first season and i felt like they slowly built the characters so you feel it when uh spoiler if you haven't watched the first season when well i, I don't need to say it when yeah. characters fracture you yeah. feel it and right, i think right, it was right, worth right. that build up yeah. but if they don't to me it was building to what the second season is going to be and if the second season isn't that, then I might be a little disappointed. Gotcha. It might feel like it's a little bit of a blip that possibly was always planned to be two seasons because of the coming juggernaut of Disney Plus. 
Yeah, that could be. That's that. Believe me, that's each factor. I think in a lot of things. Yeah, and and animation. You know, they started making this. You know, a long time ago. Right, they've been planning. So that would make some sense. It it it, it to me, the idea that it was quote canceled doesn't make sense. You 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 would have. You'd still have a season three prepared or prepped or something. You know what I mean? They've yeah. already be down. They'd be down that lane. So at that point, to me, you're like, well, we have a third season. Let's figure it out. I think this. Yeah, was I don't think it was canceled. On. They, I mean, we know that they know the exact day that the events that unfold at Galaxy's Edge when one visits. That it's all yeah. the same day in Star Wars canon, and right. Matt Martin has tweeted about that. They yeah. got books coming out. There's something about the way Episode Nine is structured that mm-hmm. the the story group really feels like we know the kind of the general flow of the storytelling of the fight between the resistance yeah. in the first order. And that gives me a lot of trust because that's yeah. been planned for years now. Cause that's how animation works. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a long time in the future. You know, uh, you're working on Tigtone season nine. Right now, <laughs> <I> wish. <laughs> we so. Uh, uh, so we talked about what we want from this final season. We'll see if we get it, but the show has, uh, it's been a quiet, uh, victory for me as a fan where like, Oh, there's some things. Oh, I, don't I don't know. But then I just, agree grew and grew and little morsels along the way that yeah. I want to revisit. I like a lot of the characters. I like oh, to see more it. of them. Yo, peep it. Let's not, <laughs> the adventures <laughs> of a peep it. So that's good. So the final uh, headline of the day, Obi-Wan rumors. Oh, here we go again. We love going <laughs> down this trail. Joseph and I are no no secret here. We've been wanting an Obi-Wan movie, yeah. a book, comic, all of the uh, video game that's just Obi-Wan cooking. Uh, and then, of course, the TV series, which has been Rumored for a while, but this week, stories popped up on a lot of different uh, sources. Uh, some claiming exclusives said, hey, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor had signed a contract. Everything's up and going. And then the big boys came in, uh, Variety, Deadline. They called their reps. They called their studio reps and their the agents and the management teams. And they got confirmation to the – they're comfortable enough to say that uh, this is confirmed. He's in talks. Confirmed to be in talks. In talks. Yes. Which – means it's everything and nothing. <laughs> so we're here we are again at this doorstep. Yeah. But this one, to be fair, uh, has seems to have some merit. Yeah, we, I think this one tracks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think the it, it, there seems to be a lot of scuttlebutt and possibility that the Obi-Wan movie was mm-hmm. really set up, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had those stories that broke literally two years ago because it was on my birthday. Right. Uh, the, when uh, a director was signed. According to all the trade papers. Right. Um, And again, I believe that. Um, And obviously then Solo stumbled at the box office. So it makes perfect sense for them to say, well, the movie's not the right move right now, but we could turn it into a television show. So it it all tracks logically for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have said on multiple podcasts that I would give an internal organ to make this Obi-Wan Kenobi story (laughs) happen. Right. I want it so, so bad. But I think I also have this like just pull to want want us all to read the article not look at the headline because the headlines say ewan mcgregor is returning as obi-wan kenobi a bunch of them yeah. and then you read the first line and it says we have sources who tell us that ewan mcgregor is in talks <laughs> and those are two different, different things. things i am thrilled that yeah. ewan mcgregor is in talks and i think the likelihood of this happening is great hmm. But I just want to, uh, my full joy will be on full confirmation from Disney Lucasfilm with a date. Because that's another thing of, if this happens, 
probably 2022. Yeah. Uh, if they were moving amazingly fast, 2021. We here at Force Center don't get excited until Andy Gutierrez <laughs> is rushed into their set and does a minute and a half video just going, yep, uh, yep, yes, this is true. Yes. Uh, I need Anthony Carboni to be put on an emergency flight from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Andy Gutierrez to be woken up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very funny way to say it. Anthony, uh, Anthony does that like every Monday at 6 a.m. He flies out. Yeah. God bless him. Amazing. God bless him. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're looking at you're looking at Lucasfilm, Disney, Star Wars, and all you're hearing is and tumbleweeds going by. No confirmation. Let's look. I don't want to get into the weeds on these this exclusive and these scoops game and all these kind of things. I I've been around it. I know there are there are movie reporters, people working now, and you got to understand they are on the phone all day calling studios. Yeah, all day calling. It is old school journalism. It's a fedora and a press hat. <laughs> hey, I'm hearing some rumors here, and then they'll get denials. I've seen some people I've worked with. I've been in the office when they're like, "Look." I'm running with this story, whether you confirm it or not, because I have three sources that have confirmed. That's all the other thing. Confirm your sources. Uh, and then there's other sites that just they don't have the access. They don't have the resources and they get something that's a good scoop. That's probably a, a friend of a friend who says, hey, I just saw the budget for this. It's happening. So they run it. No confirmation. And there's that side of it. Also, who knows? Ewan's people. Could have leaked this. Absolutely. To put pressure on Disney to make it happen. It is all a game, a fun game, but I don't like getting caught up in it too much until I see it on my screen or again. Andy Gutierrez is telling me it's happening. I agree because anything can happen. I want this to be true more than anything. It tracks logically. But to go back to that that uh, scoop uh, that in that broke everywhere on my birthday two years ago. Yeah. I totally believe that they attached a director for an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And then some things happened. So the articles that said they attached a director, great, perfectly true. The headlines that said the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is happening were wrong. So (laughs) I am fully in support of and thrilled about the content of the articles. It's the headlines that I'm like, well, that's only true from a certain point of view. Yeah. And maybe not... Yeah, not yet. Because who knows what happens with, uh, you know. Who knows? Who knows indeed. All right, but let me ask this. You and I are, I don't think there's anything to dampen our excitement. Even the whispers and the rumors of it gets us going, yeah, it's happening. Here we go. Uh, Are you more excited now this week or are you you bracing for another letdown? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm more excited for it because I, as much as I I love Solo to Death death and wish that it had killed at the box office, Mm -hmm. um, I understand that. their their position on the standalone films and also um i want this obi-wan kenobi movie because i love the character because ewan mcgregor is a great actor he is at the exact right age because i believe there's a story to be told all these reasons i also understand that there are a lot of fans who are who are like why always the legacy characters why not more diversity in the leading characters and to me if the obi-wan kenobi story is told on disney plus in this buffet of, hey, if you're not excited about Obi-Wan Kenobi, don't worry. Next year, there will be two more Star Wars television shows. Yeah. Then it's just, like I said, like this, my buffet attitude towards Star Wars. Yeah. Of, great, if you have reasons that you're not excited about Obi-Wan, you're still going to be subscribed to Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian or Cassian Andor or The Clone Wars. Yeah. And it's not like putting all of the Star Wars eggs 
in one basket by having it be a movie. So I'm really actually at this point excited about the television show because I think it will let those of us in the fandom who are super excited about it to just be thrilled. Just be excited. And hopefully the people who are like, eh, this is not for me, will also be being offered things that they do want. Uh, and, and we already see uh, the buffet is filling up. Yeah. We got tater tots. We got enchiladas and salads <laughs> all in that got buffet Ronto in front wraps. of us. Want Ronto wraps. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is a little bit of a, not to step on your show, but let's do some Star Wars counseling because I am here and there's some, I get the real world issues uh, of uh, Star Wars representation and this and that. I understand that, but this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is a, a, a chance for an entire new cast and collection of characters around him uh, the grimy world of Tatooine yeah we can get it recasted a new woo hair for our generation <laughs> uh, there's a lot to be there but so I understand there's some bigger issues but just as a Star Wars I don't I think I understand the pushback of I get I get texts from friends oh they're just going to the same era over and over and I'm like yes I'm so excited <laughs> but it's Obi-Wan and there's so much to tell there right yeah yeah i've been spending a, a lot of time in in obi-wan land uh in in my own mind yeah. uh dreaming uh poking at some things uh if you go listen to the uh the interview we did with james arnold taylor yeah. there's some some clues there of uh of <laughs> where my mind has been at um nothing to talk about but uh some some fun things i we've talked about it on this show before i got a scoop (laughs) there yeah no scoop no scoop a little dollop of dreams (laughs) um yeah we've talked about before there have been rumors i truly deeply believe there is a story to be told not jammed in a story that is necessary to the complete story of obi-wan kenobi to the complete story of the jedi order and the rise of the empire for a story to be told for obi-wan to be stewing on tatooine Mm -hmm. wants to train luke wants to pick up and and keep moving is told no Mm. by owen and beru and is feeling like yeah i made mistakes i rushed into things i rushed into the clone wars and didn't question them enough and maybe Padme's right. I held her children while she died and told me there's still good in him. Mm. I didn't finish him. Mm. I left him burning and couldn't bring myself yeah. Yeah. to save him or end him. And now this monster is walking around in this armor. I gotta I gotta do something about it. I gotta try. Yeah. It's gotta go. to me, it's it's really taking a lot of what we've been talking about this episode of people with good intentions facing their own failure going, how can I push past these demons? Yeah. There's room for it in, in star Wars dialogue. We've talked about before with Darth Vader saying in return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan once thought as you did Mm -hmm. to me, the story of him trying and going like, maybe there is hope for Anakin and then learning to his belief. No, there isn't. Yeah. Which explains why he is so adamant that when he talks to Luke, that there is no hope. Yeah. For his father. And it, it gets us to the beautiful point that Obi-Wan Kenobi is in in Rebels, where he's accepted that his mission, his purpose is to watch over Luke. His purpose is to watch over the new hope. It gets mm. him to that place of contentment that we find him yep. in Rebels and in A New Hope. And to me, that's just like a vital, fascinating story. It's not retreading old ground. No. It's 
fascinating. I, look, you've said every word better than I would have said, but I'm in the same boat. Clearly, uh, I, this isn't a, a prequel of a prequel. This isn't a uh, some weird origin story we don't need. And I get some of those critiques of not just Star Wars, but other things you see out there. We're doing this again. We're doing this again. It's our 19th Spider-Man film. But I think Marvel, Sony just proved you can, you can freshen it up and yeah. do it again. But this isn't even that. Yeah. This is, like you said, this is a huge chunk of the Star Wars story. As a Star Wars fan, I want that chunk. Yeah. And, and I hope people, I just, the gut reactions drive me a little crazy. Yeah. Get a little grumpy, Ken. Yeah. And, and who is, knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe everything is off. Maybe yeah. it's not about that. Maybe it is. <laughs> Obi-Wan just protects Luke and hangs yeah. out at the bar. I would love that, too. If yeah. Obi-Wan just fights off some <laughs> yeah. bounty hunters like he's done in the comic book yeah. and, you know, meditates. And it's, it's if, if half an episode is just him talking to Liam Neeson's voice, great. great. I'd be thrilled because it's Ewan McGregor. Bar it? rescue with Obi-Wan. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Many many of us have made the, it's it's basically cheers with Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. He's, there's a reason he hates that cantina, and we're going to find out why. Yeah. I would love that, too. Maybe it's not that Vader story, but that Vader yeah. story, that that. Why did why did Yoda and Obi Wan just say okay great we're just going to guard the next generation yeah we're just going to hide and look at you you out there listening just might not be one of those fans it doesn't mean you don't love Star Wars I I just I, I under I don't I too don't want a prequel or an answer for everything no I don't but I love the times I don't just want a retelling of Robert's rebellion in Game of Thrones I want to know what led up to it what's and, and go to that story there's stories there. Uh, I know I always jump to Game of Thrones, but yeah, it's, it's what I got. Uh, this this is there's such fertile ground here, such fertile ground. It gets me so excited. Uh, the big themes, dark stuff, and uh, I like when I always. What's he going to do? Just be fighting pirates and Tatooine? And I, I know Jonathan uh, Jackson Miller put out the Kenobi book, and that was some of the stuff that was on there. Yeah, uh, that some people leaked as scoops of the script. By the way. <laughs> um, that's okay, but I know it's going to be more than that. I know it's going to be more than that. Yeah. It has to be more than just Obi-Wan going, oh, there's some pirates stealing water. It's not going to be that. It's going to be answer big Star Wars questions. Yeah. In the canon, we leave Obi-Wan at point A, and we meet him again at point C. Yeah. And damn it, I want point B. <laughs> We're going to get it, hopefully, <laughs> according to rumors. So that is a juicy look at Star Wars news a lot there. We're going to dive into our main topic after we recommend an audiobook we think all of you should try out on us. And this week, coming up with the recommendation was very easy because it's the book we're talking about. It's Thrawn, colon, treason. By Timothy Zahn. I always like saying the colon thing, but then it sneaks up on me when it's Thrawn colon treason. Thrawn's colon is fine if you haven't read the book. In fact, he's uh, predicted all of his colon's moves <laughs> is way ahead of his colon. I know what the doctor's going to do with my colon. Uh, anyway, <laughs> to check t- it out. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook and help out the show in the process. All right. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Del Rey has brought us the wonderful Thrawn Treason by the equally as wonderful Timothy Zahn. But, Joseph, we're going to dive on in a little deeper, go between the pages of Thrawn Treason. <laughs> That's right. So, in theory, this is the final book in a three-book series of Thrawn books. The first one, Thrawn, then Thrawn Alliances, then Thrawn Treason. So, we're going to be talking about Thrawn Treason, but kind of the arc is, is a whole as well. So, let's just uh, go for the big picture. What was your big picture reaction to Thrawn Treason? Good read. Enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, I have to, I keep not taking to these Thrawn books. Yeah. Even though I enjoy a lot of things in there, and I'll go into some of the details of Thrawn's Thrawn and everything. Uh, I, I, I've said before, like, the first Thrawn book was so methodical for me. I, I need it, and glad they put out Jody Hauser's uh, comic book adaptation, because it shortened, it, it, it threw a lot of the chuff out for me and told us, told the core of the story okay so all that stuff's there so i had the similar experience here i enjoy reading i turned the page once i started i i, I went through it pretty fast yeah um I, and i closed the book and we're gonna dive into it i don't <laughs> i don't know if i have any feelings beyond that yeah yeah i think uh we've talked about in our other thrawn reviews that timothy zahn approaches star wars in my opinion from a little bit more of a science fiction uh, perspective like this book has a lot of technical naval space maneuvers he, he he, he loves the uh, specificity 
He is not hand wavy about things and neither is Thrawn. And for me, like once I accept that, like this isn't my personal first choice at the Star yeah. Wars buffet. Yeah. But now that I'm eating it, eh, yeah, I like it. I, I enjoy uh, the meatballs. Yeah, I enjoy it. I didn't. I thought I was going to go for the tacos, but I'm enjoying <laughs> the meatballs. And in particular, what I found by the time I was reading this third one. Hmm. First one is a fascinating reintroduction of Thrawn to canon. Yeah. Second one, you had all the like, ooh, this is the first bit of Black Spire Outpost in Batu. Oh, there's canon stuff in different ways to think about Vader and Padme. Fascinating. And then this one, it really felt like in a very comforting way, spending time with the character that I know and like. Mm-hmm. Like there's some larger ideas of treason we'll talk about, but it just felt pleasant to spend time with Thrawn and almost almost like a pleasant to me British murder mystery where you like, you know, the detective is on top of this and is going to figure it out. And you just kind of get the joy of like, Ooh, you think Thrawn is wrong, but you're going to be wrong. Let me get to the next chapter. Yeah, you're wrong. And Thrawn just told you exactly how you are wrong. Take that. Like it felt like it feels like this pleasant detective murder mystery, but it's Thrawn doing amazing naval and you know sometimes political maneuvers in space he he is uh obviously the sherlock holmes of star wars that's been put out there before but yeah there's that's exactly it when did this character of ronan assistant director ronan where you're like oh no you're you're gonna find <laughs> out that's exactly what happens time and time yeah, again he's gonna hand you yeah. your ass and your cape yeah yeah, Angela, yeah. Angela lansbury's gonna solve <laughs> your case yeah and again that that is meant to me is a uh a positive analogy that yeah, there's, yeah. there's a uh, you, you like surprises in stories and you also like coming home and just knowing exactly what you're going to get yeah. and this book felt like ooh, I got to spend some time with Thrawn doing yeah. his Thrawn thing. I don't always need big twists and surprises. No, no. Sometimes I just, the story is, here's the characters living their lives and doing, yeah. doing what they're yeah. known for. Yeah, that was this. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think either of you, either of you, either of us are going to have any major dislikes other than it's not necessarily the kind of Star Wars we immediately gravitate toward. No, no. Here, I, I can. Here's, We're going to talk major likes and major dislikes, okay. but but I, overall, no, no, no. Overall, Zahn's a, a, he's a great writer. He's yeah. got a great career for a reason. And there's not like it's the, the details isn't my style. There's I laughed when you said that because there's one point I forget the number. I have the book I compiled, but there's like they're in the middle of a laser battle between star destroyers, and it's like it is six kilometers away i'm like i don't need to know that <laughs> this is george martin george r martin describing every inch of the eel pie yeah he's about to eat i don't need that but yeah other people do and i'm gonna let you enjoy those meatballs yeah i think i had that moment of amusement when like the key to solving everything in this exciting combat was how taut are the ropes in space like <laughs> again no offense to anybody who's like that's the first yeah. thing you go to at the star wars buffet uh but for me like yeah i don't actually have any dislikes because my only dislike is is that it's not my immediate first favorite Star Wars thing. Um, But I don't have any like real critiques. Like I feel like this was a mistake or this dropped the ball or this doesn't match my expectation of canon or blah, blah, blah. I I don't really have any critiques. No, no, because overall one of my my general likes is is Zahn is really good at taking the meticulous and and somewhat mundane and adding tension to it. Yes. Like Like a taut rope in space. (laughs) Yeah. I am going through all these... It's a space battle, and I just got nine pages of Admiral Aralani going, all right, ready the cannons? Turn them two degrees. <laughs> and then you, sir, two steps to your left. I got all that, but I 
I was turning the page. But you were still yeah, invested in yeah. the conflict and who would win and how they would win. Absolutely. And yeah, all that. Uh, so some, some favorites for me is, you know, in terms of just flavor, all the cape details. Uh, so for... Oh, big one, yeah. I, sh- I should have started with. We always do full spoiler reviews, but if you, but some people just listen to the reviews. If you haven't re- listened, uh, one of the main characters is uh, Ronan, who is Krennic's basically assistant, his mm. second in command. And there's a bunch of great details about how Krennic wears the cape. Really, is like capes are associated with authority. I just decide to wear a cape. It's not even a rank thing, and it's just going to command more respect. And then so <laughs> his second in command, Ronan also has a cape like a little yeah. mini me it's a little shorter a little cape. a little mini it's Krennic. A shorter cape. <laughs> and there's and everybody's judging him on it and he eventually uses it in a triumphant way which yeah. is really fun so like man the cape stuff is great look capes in star wars it's a thing and credits is awesome this was a big win for me yeah yeah, yeah. it felt like as zahn is an author going like i want to make something the cape why is the cape <laughs> there i'm on it uh i like all the third sight and second sight stuff with yeah. the uh chiss ascendancy how they uh, are force sensitive but appear to use it in these very specific kind of rigid ways mm. and it wasn't really dealt with much in the book, but there's the mystery of why uh, one of the characters can use the force to navigate and hasn't at, at a later age in life and hasn't that's lost awesome. that. Yes. Which that's those are some of those juicy ideas that I would love to see uh, Zahn develop more mm-hmm. of going, OK, well, the force requires you to be open and intuitive. Here's a culture in the Chiss that's very rigid and militaristic. Right. And they believe children can only access this and eventually other people can like that yeah. contrast between why is that? How is that? That's some juicy stuff. I love that stuff. And we talk about what Ryan might do outside of legacy characters and dealing with the force. This is, this is some, some great dealing with the force outside yeah. of the force. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, other favorites for you. Uh, so this is squished into a very tight timeline. They, they give Thrawn a week to solve this problem. And it's because it's like the week he's gone from star Wars <laughs> rebels. Uh, you know, it's almost like what a, cast member of Sarah at live takes two weeks off to make a movie. Yeah. Like you gotta, where are, where's Mike Myers? He's making Wayne's world too. I'm making two weeks. Hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is, that could be limiting and I'm yeah. sure Zahn might've felt limited, but I, it really worked for me and it was relatively seamless. It made me want to go back and watch those episodes. There's that conversation with Tarkin and, and Thrawn on rebels and they kind of have it here again. And it's Thrawn's point of view on it. And it's like, it works really well as someone who's a fan of Rebels, especially the last couple seasons where it gets really good and and and, and dark and convoluted and com- wonderfully complicated in, in terms of big story. This fits right into that. And yeah. I actually really did enjoy that. I enjoyed the timeline because right away you hear it. You're like, oh, I know that. Poor, poor Timothy Zahn's got a week to play with. <laughs> um, I talked about the uh, methodical mundane being filled with tension. Uh, there is a. And he's done this in the other two books. Zahn has really tapped into the, just giving me a sense of the inner workings and office drama of the Empire. Yes. And on page 63 specifically, I uh, don't have it in front of me, but I made a note of page 63. Ronan goes off in his head, internal monologue, about he doesn't like the Emperor, doesn't like Vader, doesn't like Tarkin. Krennic is the one. He's the hardworking, blue-collar guy. He worked his way up, and he's not. Everyone else is drama and grandstanding and backstabbing him. 
And it's one of those things where even though it's the Empire and they're the bad guys, it's just it's an office politics right. point of view. And I really enjoyed it. And Ronan is one of those characters, you know, he, I, he's not a villain in this, in this series, in this in this book, but he, it, it, he's introduced. He's, he's, you know, definitely antagonistical to our characters we're supposed to love. Yeah. And, you know, you, but you're like, oh, I see his point of view, you know. Credit, uh, credit. To, you had the project stolen from it. You know, it's yeah. like you start got a. I, I really got behind Ronan there, and the credit stuff I loved. Uh, I do like uh, Emperor and Thrawn's relationship. We can go more into that. I, I actually like the way it plays out. And yeah, the way, the way Thrawn is on. We'll do that twelve times. Uh, yes, Zahn deals with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think the the this one in particular really did flesh out. Like God, how how maddening to be in the Empire with the constant politics and the mm-hmm. everybody being unified you know, against rebels and against anybody messing with the, yeah. the empire and everybody believing in the empire, but believing it in it in different ways and backstabbing yeah. and having like stuck in all these rigid protocols, but every commander, uh, you know, uses their ship in the culture within their star destroyer differently. Yeah. You know, all that yeah. stuff was, was really fascinating. Yeah. I also really liked uh, spending some time with Pick and Waffle, which were uh, surprisingly whimsical names uh, for scary-ass death troopers. Yes. I liked diving into the death troopers a little bit more yes. and spending that time of, like, they really are the best of the best. They don't just have cooler armor. They don't just have better equipment. They are brutal. Yeah. And they're still incredibly dangerous without a spot yeah. of armor because they are trained to be brutal. I, and they even pick and waffle, and there's a comment about, well, it must have been something he, a nickname he earned. <laughs> yeah. He's got a stack of space waffles. It's like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, on a cheat day where he posts a picture of 32 pancakes. Yeah, I, I in my head, he did something vicious to someone with some sort of space waffle space iron. Waffle. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. Um, my, my final thing that I uh, really liked is, it's in all of the Thrawn books, but I felt like it uh, kind of rose to a higher prominence, that idea of Thrawn's investment in studying art and how much that doubles down on the Star Wars theme of from a certain point of view. Yeah. That Thrawn is really always trying to understand how do my enemies or even allies see the world? Well, this is a way that I can try to figure out ahead of time how they see the world. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, it, it makes the uh, from a certain point of view a rich theme because sometimes understanding somebody from a certain point of view can be to have more empathy and sometimes it can be so you know how to uh, destroy them in space yeah (laughs) that's where thrawn is coming from i think a lot of times on his certain point of view yeah indeed uh we're talking about some dislikes again right yeah uh, yeah 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 you got off of that i have one of my major dislikes in the book bring it bring it i love it's no secret that thrawn studies art it's been back in the early 90s and rebels and everything so i actually really do love that i think it's great it's very insightful i I, I liked how the book, all the character, a lot of characters commented on it. Yeah, and some people thought he'd just like to waste his time looking yeah. at pretty pictures. Yeah, yeah like, oh, we, oh, I get it. You study art. You study painting. <laughs> and the fact that Savit, this Grand Avril Savit character, was like, well, joke's on you. I don't do art. And like, well, you make music. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, <laughs> I, 
I didn't like that sequence. It wasn't it wasn't a big fail. I just uh, it took me out of it a little bit of where Thrawn was like, oh, but music is hot. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. No, it is. You stab it, you stupid. Like I just it was just one of those like I guess in this galaxy there's a big divide between what you paint and what you make and what you sing. Yeah. I don't know. This is part of this is Ken went to that part of the buffet and went, yeah. I'm gonna go back to the lemon meringue side. Yeah. Uh, I did not take I actually kind of had a little eye roll moment on that. It That's for me, me for me it was a meatball that was like, mm, has this gone off a little bit? <laughs> because I ended up liking it because I think the distinction yeah, I don't know if it's entirely successful. Right. But I think the distinction is that Thrawn is interested in in what people have truly touched have truly put mm-hmm. their soul in so the idea that oh well he writes music he didn't craft it and right. I, I like that revelation that oh but actually you play on your recordings and you conduct so there there's your soul yeah and that to me is interesting that to me is like maybe the difference between like well john can only learn so much about an architect because they they make a drawing and then the building's built by somebody else. Right. But somebody who went and built a house with their own hands, then maybe he could see something he couldn't like yeah. that distinction made it work for me. I just, yeah, I just like, I didn't like the sauce and that meatball, I guess, but yeah. it's like, no, you're all, and, and, it, and it all works. It, 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 you see it and it's part of Thrawn's who he is. Uh, yeah. yeah it's just, a, yeah. it was a weird beat for me. Yeah. And I want, yeah, I yeah. want to talk about that one a little bit more yeah, yeah. in particular, but any other major likes or dislikes from your list? Uh, you know, we're going to dive into Thrawn's treason. I have some questions of, uh, okay. Was it? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Um, the ending jumping to some spoilers. I, I didn't completely buy the Ronan ending, um, but it was fine. It works. Uh, and, um, two big ones. Uh, and this is why overall the series, the last two books, though a lot of the great things I love, I don't take to as much. It's this thing with the Grisks. Yeah. And the, them being a threat to the Empire and the galaxy. Maybe it's too close to the Yuzon Vong. Uh, maybe yeah. it's Thrawn's way, Zon's way of trying to work that in. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to put words into into his head. Um, it doesn't stick for me. Okay. It just doesn't stick for You're me. You're not frightened by the Grisks. You're not, not fascinated by the Grisks. Not frightened. Don't want to be. Uh, <laughs> don't. It's. It makes it all kind of crowded during this time period. Not that I can't understand or think that in this story that there are other threats. Yeah. And in terms of the First Order, so if the Grisks are the one that killed Ray Sloan, or like, I, I am interested in that. So let me yeah. clarify that. But here right now... With this battle going on, and I know in the old legends, it was like, well, the Emperor was, he wanted to build a Death Star and the Sun Crusher and everything to to fight the Yuzon Vong and all these other threats. He was obsessed. With. I, I don't think that's at play here, so that's why it's not working as much for yeah. me. Uh, but it's fine. It's, again, not that I don't think it's realistic in terms of Star Wars story. Uh, the Ronin Annie, we'll talk a little bit more of that. And at Thrawn is always seven steps ahead, and that is 100% fine. It lost, started to lose a little bit of the charm for me. But I do like it from the way you talked about it. I am just watching him do what he does. Yeah. But it, I, I definitely get into the, all right, he's going to figure this out. I'll just get to that page where he figures it out, which I had in the last book, too. Yeah. I think... It's not as charming to me as it used to be. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's grumpy. But yes. No, it's I stand, it's honest. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. your honest reaction. Yeah. No, it, uh, is, it is my very honest reaction. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into Thrawn's treason and the general theme of treason. Yeah. So, obviously, the title, treason, is juicy, especially when you're like, oh, man, is this going to really come down? Is it, By the end of this book, is you know Sidious going to be shooting him with lightning? Like, obviously, probably not, because uh, he still has the opportunity to be uh, kidnapped by a pergol at the end of yeah. Rebels. Uh, but it raises that specter. 
I was really, uh, I really enjoyed how many different ideas of, well, what is treason? So mm-hmm. you got Thrawn's divided loyalty that we already know between the Chiss in the Empire. You got Ronan's devotion to Krennic, but that, as you mentioned, this great thing of he hates the Emperor. Right. He thinks the Emperor is basically just like a bully who frightens people into not actually doing a good job. And Krennic's the only one who's actually keeping the ship on. So that idea of like, yeah. I'm entirely loyal to this one person, but actually horribly treasonous in thought <laughs> to the, you know, yep. the leader of this fascist government. Uh, and then you got Eli's relationship with Thrawn where he doesn't know where he stands with him. He wants a little love, a little respect. He wants a little respect. <laughs> does he, yeah, does he feel, I guess that's not really treason necessarily, but does yeah. he feel, does he think everybody in the emperor's empire yeah. is going to think that he is, okay. has performed treason yeah. by doing what Thrawn asked of him? Right, right, right. Um, and, some do. Yeah. And he's, he's risks treason, uh, from the Chiss Ascendancy's perspective by being willing uh, to kill the navigator Vanya uh, to, to save her from being captured mm-hmm. by the Grisk. Uh, you got Savitz straight up the yeah. uh, treason by just straight up stealing Death Star parts. That's pretty clear on that's, the books, that's, treason. Yeah, yeah. That's treasonous. Yeah. Uh, and then you got some fun stuff with uh, the character Deja, uh, I think is how you might say it, and the uh, working for the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau. And just that idea that the the empire is sort of divided within itself where mm. you got the ISB that doesn't have to tell anybody else, but maybe the emperor, what they're up to. They're running around on star destroyers enacting whatever version of the em- empire yeah. they have orders to from Yalaren and the emperor, which, you know, is it, is it treason when you're not following any of the rules, but you've been told not to follow any of the rules because that's your special position within this rigid government. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting to like how many different perspectives on, on treason there is. Did you have a favorite treason in the book? I, I I really, again, going back to Ronan and the idea that he just straight out was like, yeah, Palpatine. No, no, he's, he's, uh, he's not doing a good job. Yeah. He's a monster and And an idiot. Yeah, and and that the, there's some some truth to what he's saying. You know, I wouldn't consider Palpatine an idiot, but he's an evil monster who does exactly does use his you know fear and intimidation to get some stuff. Um, so, anyways, I, I actually was really intrigued by that, and it does factor into Ronan's final place in the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just. Yeah, it's not that it didn't completely work for me. I just it came out it came out of left field, and I, I the character I always hate like to criticize writing, so I'm not criticizing someone's writing, but just sense of any time someone's like, well, the character didn't make a decision that it didn't seem to be the character. Like, no, nah, the character made a choice and grew and got to that point and was scared, yeah, and intimidated by Thrawn in a way of had pressure put on him, yeah, in Vader, a weird way. Vader will read your mind, and you'll he knows you hate the Emperor. That's a real threat. Yeah, that's but to a have pretty be good like, threat. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll go to the unknown region. Like, I was, ah, okay. But all of it comes out of probably my favorite treason, which is Ronan not liking his boss. Yeah. His boss's boss. That is, it's a hard uh, treason to argue with. It's a great one. I think I just felt emotionally Eli being Mm. trapped of like, well, I I admire Thrawn. He did all these great things for me. He asked me to go over to this other ship. Not really another side because he doesn't, I don't think uh, anybody wants a war between the Chiss and the Empire. But, uh, yeah, just his whole, like, all right, is the Empire going to, is somebody from Thrawn's ship going to arrest me? Is somebody right. from the Chiss Ascendancy going to arrest me? And then even, that like, can can I have this emotional connection to Vanya? Is that 
cool. Just somebody who just constantly doesn't know. Like I'm trapped between two rigid societies that have all sorts of rules and I'm just trying to kind of be a stand up guy in any step I make. Somebody might go like, by the way, did you know that's entirely against the rules? We're going to kill you now. Like he, yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, I I actually really do like the character of Eli Vanto. I I really like it. And and where he, I just love the moment of him like, Ron didn't even look at me. Yeah, that was. He hasn't was seen like, me in a year, and he didn't even look at me. <laughs> it was really sad, puppy dog. What do you think Thrawn's ultimate loyalty is? I see. This, so this is the thing where I, where I have the crush question of the treats. On paper, I get it, obviously, and, and I get too that the Emperor is like, "You must obey me and serve me with the fullest amount of uh, loyalty inside you." Yeah. And if you don't, I'll know because I can look inside and find out. Yeah. So I get it on paper. I just think it's a pretty simple answer sometimes of like, "Yeah, no, I work for you," but you know, that's my home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I know Palpatine might think, are they trying to attack us? Are you spying on us and everything? And there's some layers to it. But yeah. So I think ultimately in the end it is to the chiss, but I think he enjoys what he's doing. He likes it. He, you know, he's good at it. And uh, yeah. So I, but I think at the end of the day, I think Zahn, you hear Zahn saying he has ideas for the character. I think he goes back to the, the chiss. Yeah. But it's like after he retires from the Empire, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a fascinating thing for me about the kind of character he is. Uh, like I think, yeah, he he comes to the the Empire on a mission from the Chiss Ascendancy, mm-hmm. and it seems like he, within his ability to do so, he's honest with the Emperor of yeah. like, look, uh, I wanted to know more about this. Uh, your great organization you got going on here. In exchange, I'm more happy to tell you much more about the what you call the unknown regions than you knew before. And there's that that fine line where it feels like the emperor is like, all right, I know that maybe you're going to bend a rule here or there, but I don't think you're going to outright betray or attack me. Yeah. And like the very end of this book of like, we'll talk about this. Yeah. You know, after you deal with Lothal, we'll talk about this is great. Cause it does seem like, okay, well the emperor is finally like, yeah, you yeah. got, I've given you too long of a leash and it's, it's maybe invade your mind, maybe a little bit of lightning. Maybe it's time to stop, <laughs> you know, playing chess with you and make you fear me yeah. more than you do. Like maybe the emperor has got to that point, but up to this point, Thrawn has been able to be relatively honest and say, I'm more than happy to help the empire reach its goals. I like this ship. I like these people on it as much as I like anything, Yeah, but like almost his loyalty is more to like his own intellect yeah. The idea of a no-win scenario. And you got to imagine like that Thrawn had something in mind of like, well, at some point I can gently pull the strings to make the Emperor realize that, yeah, the Grisks are the greatest threat to the Empire and I can bring the Chiss and the Empire together. And like, I want to think that it's not even about for him loyalty. It's like he's he's loyal to his own goals. He, he, and and you, you kind of said he goals that he has stated almost almost from the very beginning. Yeah. And I don't think he's gone back on that, but also that's a testament to Zahn writing this character and being inside Thrawn's mind enough to where you're like, no, he, he, he doesn't know politics. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. And, and he's just saying the truth. And, and so that's why I'm like, I know other people might think it's trees. And I know our, our Lonnie's kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, I was sent on a mission. Like yeah. everyone knows he's just one of those honest 
not not a tell it like it is guy, but just like uh, you kind of know what Thrawn is. He's pretty upfront. Yeah, he's like saying to the Emperor, like I told you, I'm loyal yeah. until there's a reason not to be. Have I done anything unloyal? And then Tarlani's he's like, what? I'm undercover. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, there's something there. It's, yeah. it's fascinating, but uh, yeah, yeah. I was really struck in this book by kind of Thrawn as life coach, where he is nicer in a certain way. Mm-hmm. He, well, he wants everyone on the, the uh, Chimera, Chimera uh, uh, to succeed, right? Yeah. He wants to find skill, train them, and lift them up. And yeah. this book contrasts so much with everybody else's ruling out of fear uh, or political manipulation or just you're, you're an idiot with a rich family. Yeah. But he really just wants everyone to be a rock star. Did that make you like him more? He's I, like... Mm-hmm. He's like the best manager. <laughs> I, I, I do. I absolutely love it. It speaks to some of uh, my own philosophies as a as, as a manager and 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 the the, the far Karen Faro this this Commodore character yeah. he really uh, takes under his wig and 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 she grows and goes against him at one point like to, or puts a wrinkle into his very distinct plan and specific plan and it's a great moment. It's a powerful moment and he is. A good boss, a good manager, a good leader. So it makes me like him more, and it, and I love that he's doing it for the Empire. Yeah, he's like, well, you, you took a yeah. chance, and it made sense with the knowledge that you had, yeah. and you didn't mess anything up, so good job. Just imagine if he if he had joined the Rebellion, yeah. you know? Yeah. It would have been a different, the war would have ended two years sooner. Yeah, or if he didn't get sucked into space with no, Purgles. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, we talked about the Grisk a little bit, but I do want to revisit it from a, a specific uh, uh, point of view. There's this big idea that they are un, unknown. Like mm-hmm. there are some ideas of what their bodies might look like, uh, and I understand yeah. it has a lot of relationship to the use on Vogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book was really explicit about this idea that there's kind of master manipulators that they can enslave people and cause such fear that they can get them to do their will from afar, which is kind of another idea of treason of like, mm-hmm. oh well, they could capture and torture a bunch of Imperials, yeah. put them back into the Empire, and destroy it from inside. Um, but d- does that make you more interested in them? Because it's a kind of a different idea than just military dominance. It's the idea of like slowly corrupting your government from inside. It is if it, uh, you know, if you take that apply to the first order and that's maybe why things went awry and Snoke moved up the, you know, yeah. became the, the surprise choice to be the leader and Sloan's out. Maybe she got taken down by some of this infiltration. So yeah, it's actually is more interesting, especially when you, when you put it the, that directly. Um, I just, uh, I don't buy it in terms of the empire yet, but maybe that's why I'd be taken out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I started storage. So it just seems uh, the idea, the idea is great. The great is different. Um, and they, uh, the, the, the Chiss are so afraid of them. Yeah. You get a sense of they're coming. The war, it's it's the Night King coming down. This war is right. coming. And then they, you know, some fancy moves and they take them out. I know this is just two Star Destroyers. I get yeah. that. Uh, the threat didn't wasn't as vibrant to me this uh, okay. when, it, when it was finally revealed. Like at the end of the last book, yeah. it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh we who got, are they? What do we, yeah. we got? And this time I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they do some stuff, but they, they got their butts kicked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, I think I'm really interested in them as, like I take the story as like, hey, yeah, Thrawn, uh, Thrawn kicked their ass in this book, uh, and that was it for them poking around in the Empire for the most mm. part. And now they're back in their general area of space. Right. And more than anything, I am interested in them. There's that great line in the last Jedi novelization of like, we were beset by many horrors. I'm yes, paraphrasing yes. Uh, that, right. that Snoke's thinking about uh, the, that the first order went through many horrors. And I want, I feel like Zahn, I don't feel like it's a master plan. I feel like Zahn is like, Hey, why don't I just kind of 
play around with the Yusan Vong idea, change it up a bit. Mm-hmm. And hey, look, everybody else is telling stories, uh, particularly about the unknown regions. The grist around the table if you want them to be right. one of the many horrors. And I, I don't feel like that, ooh, it's a big Star Wars answer. Yes. Uh, we were wrong about what Grisks look like, and Snoke is a Grisk. Or I, I yeah. don't think there's any big idea. I think it's just on the table of, like, anybody want to pick up this fun baton and run with it? You're 100% right, and I think maybe that fuels into why I'm just kind of okay with them. Uh, yeah. I, I saw some articles, and I hadn't finished the book yet, but some articles from some websites that do this kind of stuff over and over. Star Wars just introduced a new threat to the galaxy. Uh, and I knew, I knew. I, you I knew like, it was the Grisks. Uh, they're talking about the Grisks. <laughs> and I just don't buy that. I don't think yeah. it's on any any table other than the one Zon keeps sliding in front of people. Yeah. And uh, you pointed out to me the, the Star Wars show interview. Yeah. You're hundred percent why I want you and I were talking about that off air. Uh, you said check it out. I did, and it is Andy Gutierrez. It, Gutierrez talking to Zahn about this book, and well, what happens to Thrawn? We know he goes to with Ezra out to some place, and Timothy Zahn's basically saying, "Well, I've got ideas. They're not going to let me write." Filoni's got this one, and I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, saying he's, it nicer. He's saying it real nice, and then he gets really upset that he's not been invited to Galaxy's Edge yet. <laughs> Keep dropping hints. Um, so that's why I read this and go, okay, it's it's possible, and I like it as a choice. Like you could choose this. Uh, you know, Sloan could run into this. It's I just don't think it will happen. Yeah. So therefore, I'm not invested in it. Yeah. Much. I think that's a good way to say it. I think maybe somebody will pick it up and maybe it will become a big thing. But I'm yeah, not it's, sure it's huge now. Yeah. Uh, you talked uh, uh, a little bit about this. Uh, I want to talk about it a little bit more. The idea that Thrawn doesn't know politics and that's a weakness. Did you believe that? Mm-hmm. Did you like that? Because Thrawn can come across as unstoppable, right? Yeah. Which then... It makes it harder to jibe with the Rebels TV show where he is stopped. Yeah. Uh, often by large uh, exotic space creatures that he didn't know were there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but did you believe that it is a weakness and did you like it? I actually do like it. I, uh, by this point, I almost think it's a, it, it's a, Thrawn's knows it's a weakness and is okay with it. Mm-hmm. He's too smart because they go into it. Orenda Price is that's what part of their connection. You're great, but you don't know politics. Let me teach you. Let yeah. me be your politic. Uh, yes, your, you're your right. That's part of his whole uh, ascension in yeah. the Empire. She teaches him how to behave at uh, stuffy imperial cocktail parties. Exactly. Yeah. And so I like that. Then I like it next time. And I think he because he's a he's a straight shooter that's more just calm and methodical. I think he's just kind of like I don't need it. Uh, this is my interpretation of it. So it's a weakness. Yeah. But he's like I can accept that loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating to me because I think the story of Sherlock Holmes type characters, the story of Thrawn, Mm -hmm. and somebody even makes a passing comment like this. Thrawn makes his guesses assuming that people are going to do things in a intelligent and relatively logical way. Right. So one could see how faced with just dumb kind of backbiting, interfighting in politics that he would be like, why would you cut your nose off to spite your face because somebody offended you at a party like that he can get down to that level that that's maybe part of what the art is like of like okay he's seen things from so the big picture that to boil it down to one person's 
petty actions, he really needs to go like, all right, let me really dig into this one person, understand their point of view, and then I'll understand why that person's spilling that drink or saying not dancing with them at that party <laughs> means that they're going to do this with their lives with their star destroyer. Like not, that's not where he wants to be in life. He wants to be looking at the big picture and wants to assume that right. everybody's going to be functioning on a somewhat logical basis. Cause then he can handle them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, I, I, and, and the politics and the murky politics of stories. I like someone that's like, I don't need it. It's not yeah. my quiver, not my quiver. I don't know. It's fascinating yeah. to think about, uh, you know, I guess being, yeah. being Thrawn like about Zahn writing Thrawn. Yes. How much is Zahn showing us himself in Thrawn? And is this a truth of Zahn that he's like, I think pretty logically. Yeah. And this is fascinating to me. Just these little maneuvers in space, uh, the, the, you win because you're smart enough to know that you need to adjust yeah. by two degrees. That's fascinating to me. And I want to think like that. I want to think big picture, but in order to get my next book, I should probably go to this party or have dinner with this person at this convention. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to have to think like that. I want to think beautifully and logically with my crystal mind and tell yeah. stories. All right. But I don't want to do the politics. I like, just want to go to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. I just want to go to Galaxy's Is that... Is that uh, Zahn showing him, showing us himself in his art? Uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the art obsession, you already mentioned that you you're not sure about the whole uh, Sabbath thing. The sauce on the meatball was off mm-hmm. to you about that um, thing, but I wanted to talk about that idea. Yeah, the the larger idea that we say undeniable things about ourselves through art, mm-hmm. and I thought even for us for doing a Star Wars podcast, mm. do you think? you are saying undeniable things about yourself. Like we aren't military leaders, mm-hmm. but if somebody was like, I got to take that Ken knapsack down, would you be like, I have shared some of my yeah. vulnerabilities by talking about star Wars on a podcast. Oh, absolutely. There, there, I think there's some people, uh, after this last week who are making a, a list of reasons <laughs> to take me down. Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The way we say, the way we approach things, uh, you know, I am, uh, you and I work well together because I am like, let's just press record and we'll figure it out. And you were like, hey, I got a list of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and that's why the show works. And that's, and also my self-loathing, all those things come out. It, it, it is all part of my entertaining, uh, the, my approach to entertainment. And a lot of times I even have to kind of remind people that it is just like a lot of times I don't hate myself that much. It's just jokes. It's just a joke. Funny. Yeah. But even then that's telling that I keep just pounding myself down. <laughs> like, So, yeah, you would know as a military leader, like he'll probably come up with a good move, but be too afraid to try. <laughs> and he's yeah. not going to have a plan. He's going to yeah. get to the battle and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yep. a, a fascinating uh, sort of uh, experiment to put the laser focus of Thrawn back on yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel like people could listen to this podcast. If we yeah. were commanding a ship yeah. and they're like, we got to beat Napsok and Scrimshaw. Like, yeah. well, they're going to ha- they keep saying they bring up a topic, but then they say, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> they have too many ideas of what to do in the battle. <laughs> And they're going to get frozen. Like they're going to fire those missiles eventually, but they're also going to let us know that, look, we're going to shoot you with missiles, but about 20 minutes from now. (laughs) So true. Uh, I'm sure there are many other weaknesses in myself that I cannot see, but are obvious uh, through art and podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So you mentioned this, the Vader, uh, uh, the idea that Thrawn suggested that Vader be on the Death Star. 
And in particular, it was to kind of iron out this thing where he wanted Ronan to go to the... Thrawn wanted Ronan to go to the Chiss Ascendancy. He puts pressure on him by saying, well, you're going to be on the Death Star. I've suggested to the Emperor that Vader should be there. Vader's going to be able to sense that you hate the Emperor and you're going to die. So it's, it all makes sense from a sort of the, the story of Thrawn treason. But I know sometimes that's the thing that you, both you and I wrestle with of like... Yeah, mm-hmm. Vader doesn't like the Death Star, but he's on the Death Star in A New Hope. So mm-hmm. it's natural for a writer to go, what's the deal with that? Yeah. Do you like the idea it, that Thrawn moved Vader around like a chess piece and that's why he's on the Death Star? It's a big swing that uh, it's not going to affect my view of New Hope too much. I know, say, the the Galen Erso uh, fuse uh, in, in Rogue One is uh, troubling for a lot of people. I yeah. understand that. I actually do understand that. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I understand it. This one, it's not going to affect me too much. Uh, it does read like Thrawn just moving Tarkin around. and But I also get the sense that, you know, Vader, they didn't know what to do with Vader at the time of New Hope. You watch those scenes. Moti's, Moti's just like, whatever, space wizard dude. <laughs> they don't, he wasn't respected. He wasn't, I think a lot of people People didn't know they should respect him. Yeah. You know? So it does make some sense. It is a big cannon swing. Hey, you got to take those swings every now and then. I'm okay with it. I, I won't ruminate and think about it too much more, though. Yeah. I kind of took it as like, well, from Thrawn's perspective, he thinks he moved this chess piece. Yes. But does the Emperor have his own reasons for saying, I want you there? There could be 15 justifiable, realistic, logical reasons that other people have put him there, including yeah. Vader himself. Vader could want to be there because he doesn't. He's not sure about the damn thing, and he wants yeah. to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot to, to pick apart there. Um, do you like how much Death Star slash Stardust storytelling there is? Most of this hinges on the idea of shipments being stolen from Stardust. There's some great stuff mm-hmm. about uh, how nobody's supposed to know the name Death Star, but Thrawn does. <laughs> My favorite one was the Emperor one. Yeah, when he's like, the, the Emperor's, Emperor's like, like what? Damn, that was my top secret name. Me and Orson <laughs> wrote that down on paper and then burned the paper. <laughs> yeah, and we barely even use paper anymore. Uh, but do you like how much in general? I actually do. I love the, the, the story of the long, prolonged building of the first Death Star yeah. and all the problems. Stops and the starts, the gas and the Geonosians. Yes, and and the, when we started, and we're not even we're talking about the, the Greylocks, the Minox cousins that could d- devour entire ships or whatever, I initially was a little worried. It, it, you know, I, I figured there was something else up the sleeve for Sherlock yeah. Thrawn to solve, but I was like, oh, no, I hope that, that the Death Star supply problems couldn't be creatures eating their ships and taking them to other, you know, <laughs> launching them into hyperspace. So happy that worked out. But no, I actually do really enjoy it because it should dominate. If you're to deal with the emperor and the empire during this time, that should be on the mind of a lot of people. So actually, I actually do like it. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I've really enjoyed it, but it's made me really hungry for the story of the second Death Star. Yeah. Of you, cause yes. you can make the argument of like, okay, well they, they they're not going to have all those years of development because they know mm-hmm. exactly how to build it. But yeah. where did they get all the supplies that fast? Because I think there's a story to be told about the Emperor's terror of the galaxy ratcheting up. Yeah. Just being like, okay, we used to quietly take things over, and now we're just blatantly going to go to a core world and rip the heart out of it because we need this equipment now, and no one is going to defy us. We're in open war now with this rebellion, and we're really going to bring the Iron Fist down. It's be interesting to see if they do deal with it. And the time and speed, you could say, "Hey, we started building a second one already," or we because it's bigger, so we yeah you know, we we had extra material. There's a lot of answers, but I do that. You need to 
account for how fast. Yeah. It's the little wrinkled George kind of inadvertently created. <laughs> well, in, in all the yeah. new storytelling canon when, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's really dive into how long it takes to build this. If you've ever seen me try to edit a video for the first time and then the second one, <laughs> it, it works for me. It tracks. You get faster at things. Yeah. Building the Death Star is just a skill you need to learn, <laughs> kids. You mentioned this. I want to be sure to talk about it. If you haven't watched it, go watch that Zon review uh, on the or interview on the Star Wars show because it is friendly, but it is quite explicit about, I'm thrilled to tell the Thrawn story. I had a tiny little space to tell in. Of course I have ideas about my character, what would happen to him after he's sucked into space, hyperspace by Purgles. But that is explicitly Dave Filoni's story right now. Yeah. And maybe someday he'll tell it. Maybe someday he'll let me tell it with him. Maybe someday he'll ask me to tell it. But right now, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of just a guy. I'm just a fan. Yeah, it, and you guys out there should seek out that interview. Like, it's not it's not contentious. He's not mad. It's no, just, it's just the not, truth. He's not even arrogant. He's just like, yeah, I, I, I'm Timothy Zahn. I have ideas. Get me to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. How do you feel about that? I, I would rather Dave tell the story. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Okay. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather Dave tell that story. What do you think Thrawn's, or Zahn's story of Thrawn in wherever he uh-huh. went, wherever Thrawn went, what mm-hmm. do you think Zahn is wanting to tell? I think uh, the, the Greylocks eat Clozon 36 gas. Yeah. Which is what Purgles chew on to have their powers. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I'm calling it Purgle, Purgle fuel. Uh, so I think it's all tied together. I think I think what my prediction, if Zahn writes a story, he and Ezra go to Unknown Land. They get to know each other. It's like it's like that movie uh, with uh, Dennis Quaid. Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine. Thank you. Um, they become allies, and Ezra and Thrawn join the Sith to fight the Grisk. Okay. I think that's what Zahn wants. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. No, that makes sense. And I think the the fascinating thing to me about it is there are these little bits of ownership within Lucasfilm. I'm sure Powers That Be could come in and say, no, X is doing X. But... It's interesting because uh, Filoni obviously loves Ahsoka, loves Ezra, and then Thrawn is kind of Zahn's, but I feel like Zahn would want to tell Thrawn's story, and Ezra, (laughs) Sabine, Ahsoka might be there, and Filoni wants to tell Ezra, Ahsoka, Sabine's story, and Thrawn's might be the antagonist. Okay. You're, you're being nice when you say Dave wants to tell Ahsoka's story. He has an iron lock on that. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've heard that. And Zahn, rightfully so, has Thrones. I, I think Dave, you know, uh, knew that, bringing him back, bringing Zahn and Thrawn back yeah. into, the, into the galaxy. He knew it. So it's an interesting two movable objects meeting to tell the same story. Yeah. I, I do want to see it. I, I want to find out what's going on with I, Ezra and Sabine yeah. and, and Ahsoka. I do, too. But. I'd love it if, if Filoni said, hey, you know what? You want Ezra and Thrawn to team up and defeat the Grisks? Fine. Then I'll take over when Ahsoka and Sabine find them. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That, who knows? Who knows how this will ever, uh, ever work out? After reading this whole trilogy, mm-hmm. did you find yourself wondering how Thrawn was fallible? How he was defeated by Ezra? In Rebels. This book actually made me want to go back and watch the last few episodes again. Just to, it's been a while. I think you, you kind of touched upon it. He, he's he, he Sherlock Thrawn plans everything. He solves everything. He knows everybody. And if you throw, but if you're managed, if you can manage to throw a wrinkle in, he, I don't think he would have thought at any second. He never planned for Ezra to bring in space whales. Yeah. And so that's, 
that's the thing is if you can do something that he can't expect, it's just pretty simple. And he's looking at the Bendu going, what the hell is yeah, this? The Bendu is just like an extremely strange cosmic thing. Yeah, It goes yeah. to his him wanting to be knowledgeable. Yes. And for people, half, people have to be able to make decently logical moves or if they make moves from an entirely emotional place, he has to know them really well to understand yeah. how they're going to do that. He just is not aware of the existence of something called a Bendu. Yeah. Even if he was kind of aware of Purgles and aware, he could be aware that, oh, the, this Ezra kid has an attachment and a sensitivity to animals. Well, what if he brought this? In? Like, you yeah. can imagine that maybe he would have thought this yeah. through. There's a great there's a great line. I, I just rewatched just the clip uh, okay, yeah. of the very end. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I said the whole episode. But when the Purgles first latch on to the ship, mm-hmm. uh, Thrawn says to Ezra, you know, whatever happens to me also happens to you. And Ezra's like, yeah, no, I'm totally cool with that. Mm. And that was interesting to me of like, was Thrawn expecting to have like a logic? Well, he's on the ship. So yeah, I, I have this ace of my sleeve of like, if he does anything destructive to the ship, he's going to be destructive to himself. And I don't see that in him. And Ezra surprised him by going like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't. My only goal is to remove you from the situation. I, I've I, accepted my fate. And that's yeah. the thing that Thrawn couldn't see or predict about Ezra as a human being. I think you're 100% right. I think I th- that makes that all tracks all makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, he's uh, doesn't have Thrawn lacks somewhat of the ability to adjust on the fly. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think he can. But, but yeah, he's so far ahead of the game all the time. that uh, you, you come in and go, nope. I'm willing to ride the space whales to Purple <laughs> Yeah. What? Yeah, it's a great uh, reinforcement of a lot of Star, Star yeah. Wars storytelling that's about the rigid and the mechanical versus the flowing yeah, and the totally. organic. Like in that, that mm. whole battle in Thrawn Treason where he's like, I know the next seven moves Seven is going to make. <laughs> and like, yeah, Ezra is much too unpredictable for yeah. that. Yeah, 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 he really does. Uh, all right, let's let's wrap up our discussion. Uh, anything that we've left out that you wanted to be sure to discuss before no, I ask my no. my final question? We hit it all. All right. So, what do you feel like the arc of three, these three books uh, is? What is the story of this Thrawn trilogy? It great question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it is uh, it is a character study in in the the greatest. Uh, admiral in the history of the empire who didn't really want to be one and now he's gone. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, it, it tells a good story. It's yeah. a good story. Thrawn, I, I grew up loving that Thrawn character because it was the big thing at the time and, and it did help keep Star Wars alive. So I have a, I have a strong affinity for Thrawn. I just, uh, uh, it's not complete yet to me in yeah. terms of story. It's a good character study in Thrawn. It is a great just inside look at the empire for me. Yeah, and I and I I do really love that. I love I love all of it. It is its own thing though. Yeah, and it sits on a shelf, my bookshelf at home, in canon order, <laughs> but its own thing. Yeah, I think for me, I think you kind of said it. It is the story of Thrawn's time in the empire. Yes, I think maybe if Zahn was given free reign, it would be the story of Thrawn. Mm-hmm. You know, in three books or six right. books or whatever. But th- I think particularly the way this one literally ends with the Emperor going like, after Lothal, we'll talk about this. Because we begin yes. Thrawn with, he lands. Yep. Uh, you know, long hair, sexy Thrawn lands <laughs> and works his way up the uh, Empire. Yeah. And here he was maybe about to go off and have his true final mm-hmm. face-to-face with yeah. Palpatine, with Sidious. But he's removed from the plane board and this is his story of Thrawn in the Empire. Yeah. Never yeah. again to meet. 
Never. And then he just has adventures in unknown space with Grisks and Purgles <laughs> and Ezra. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> so that is our look at Thrawn Treason. In this arc of Thrawn books, maybe there will be more. A lot there. So happy to dive into that. Thank you, Joseph, for taking it through the, taking us through. And now we got some audience questions. Caitlin Marie Summers on Facebook reached out and said, hey, should Lucasfilm and Disney consider revisiting more traditional venues of distribution, such as made-for-TV films, much in the way the two Ewok films were produced and broadcast on ABC in the 80s? Who could forget that? Uh, could it be a way to commercialize standalone films through ad revenues, broadcast rights, and revive the Star Wars story spinoffs? Hashtag Force Center. That's uh, a good business question. Some of that above my pay grade. Uh, the simple answer for me, uh, I don't know where you stand, Joseph, is that's just a, a dying model for a lot of people. But it does for a lot of, of uh, the people who aren't cutting cords and all that kind of stuff. You know, it could work. Not that there isn't TV spots. Yeah. But yeah, the old, you know, Force Awakens comes to ABC. <laughs> like, that's how I fell in love with Star Wars a lot, watching the edited TV versions. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I have such a, a, a romantic uh, memory of that time of broadcasting. I do think it's passing. But yeah, I would love to see, yeah. hey, Maz, it's an hour special where Maz tells some stories at her castles, <laughs> at her castle. And then we get some puppets yeah. acting some stuff out. But I I would love that, but I do think that model... We're in a place where big companies like Disney are almost competing against themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, that Resistance was never planned to go too long. Yeah. Because if you got Star Wars on your broadcast network, cable network, yeah. you kind of just want people to buy it on your streaming service, right? Yeah. So I, I do think that the standalone films in their spirits, or the spirit of them are possibly going to be rescued by Disney plus. Right. But I think probably not on broadcast. Yeah. And she mentions the ad revenues, broadcast rights and stuff. I, I don't, I don't know the numbers now. There's no scientific fact behind this, but I don't know if the you know the broadcast rights that were for Star Wars when like Spike TV got it or TNT got it or whatever TBS got it like that was big money and there's big money in there still, but I don't know if it is as much. And they just I think they in the long term think they can make more in house. Yeah, I, I don't know, but um, there's complicated stuff too with yeah. how much various unions have worked out mm-hmm. streaming rights in uh, sadly big companies. You know mm-hmm. the broadcast rights a lot of people because they fought for them in unions get a piece of that pie that they maybe don't right now on streaming yet so that's another another thing another thing but hey caitlin it is a great question uh we'll get some uh uh, tv-minded business folks (laughs) to answer that one katie evans on facebook writes what tv parental guideline ratings do you think the mandalorian and cassian series will be what do you want them to be? Is there room for TV 14 on Disney Plus now or in the future? I think we can rule out TV MA ever <laughs> happening. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Mandalorian. Excessive nudity yeah, yeah. is not going to happen. Uh, I'm not. I, I understand the TV ratings. I don't pay attention to them as much as uh, the movie ratings. Uh, just because I was part of that generation that Temple of Doom scared me and uh, Spielberg, uh, you know, got in trouble. Um I do. I do think Mandalorian will be TV fourteen, yeah, and above. I think this is going to be the first real attempt to be a little darker. Um, not that it won't have the fun of Star Wars or the essence of Star Wars, but I think I think you'll, you know, you're not going to see Mandalorian, but but <laughs> but I think this is going to be a little darker yeah. and a little more violent. <laughs> no, I'm just imagining a stray blaster bolt yeah. blasting the Mandalorian armor off just the butt. Yeah. Um, 
I, yeah, I think that, uh, they've said pretty explicitly that it's going to be, uh, families, uh, that that's so TV 14, I think is about as hard, yeah. far as they're going to be able to push it. But you know, you look at even the star Wars movies and the Marvel movies for that matter, mm-hmm. and both star Wars and Marvel living on Disney plus I think star Wars, but also Marvel have this magic when it comes to maturity and what they can get away with. Yeah. Where like it, the ideas, the scary, dark, horrific ideas are there just don't really explicitly look at them. Right. So I think that we are going to get some some darker stuff. We're just not going to actually see it Yeah, on screen. That's fair. Great question, Katie. It's on a lot of people's mind. Patreon to we go. Dylan Ratcliffe writes, Hello there, Force Center. What are your thoughts on the many Star Wars board games? Do you have any favorites, memories? Thanks, Darth Dylan. We aim to please you, Darth Dylan, with an answer to your question. Uh Star Wars board games, the one that jumps to mind immediately for me that I still have. We did it on Force Center YouTube. Yeah. That's Star Wars Monopoly. Right. Mid-90s. I used to play at the radio station with my friend Megan, and we used to talk about, you know, George is making new movies, and why can't why can't we just be like an extra in the new movies? And we, <laughs> we should go to London and figure this out. And it was like our first kind of taste of the, the prequels a little bit, I think the course and stuff. So, yeah, Star Wars Monopoly, uh, big, big place in my life in the mid 90s yeah yeah uh I, i've talked about before as a kid uh, playing the escape from death star board game right uh it is the retro version with the grand moff tarkin action figures in stores now i have a copy I'm staring at it right now it's up, up there. there uh my wife and i were gonna play it on my birthday we ran out of time <laughs> so i sit down and play that uh i used to uh, play it with my teddy bear as a <laughs> child because my brother went to kindergarten that jerk yeah. uh so then i had to have the uh, teddy bear play against me and the teddy bear often won so i have fine memories of that uh i've mentioned also on the podcast before uh, i have ties to fantasy flight games i used mm-hmm. to work in their warehouse back in the day many friends who, who have worked there still work there um and i know that they produce a ton of amazing games um and i really really wish that i had more time to play them but they're investments of time yeah uh, so i'm hoping at some point that just for my own personal enjoyment i have more time uh, if you know time allows at some time we can play yeah. one of the cool fantasy flight games star wars games that everybody loves uh for uh, a four center episode or a youtube thing we'd love to do that uh, but it is the battle for time uh yeah i've never played those so i'd like to do that one time uh, Nathan Ovendale, first rate Nate, closes out the show, says, not sure if it's been answered before, but in the opening crawl for The Empire Strikes Back, it says the Empire's on the hunt for Skywalker, and also Vader says, I'm sure Skywalker is with them regarding the Hoth probe. Yet he's surprised when the Emperor tells him Luke is the offspring of Anakin. To the last names of zero significance, just wondering, thanks. This is a great question. I think a lot of this in new canon uh, can be answered a little easier than maybe it could in 1980. Yeah. Um, the comics, we get to see the moments uh, with Boba Fett informing Vader uh, of it. And I think he Vader knows right away that he definitely has been lied to by Palpatine. And this war of Vader versus Palpatine, the silent war is there. So I take it now. As and uh, as Vader kind of playing a little dumb. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is a a battle between them uh, mm-hmm. because I feel like I feel like Palpatine mm-hmm. wasn't clear what happened to Padme, but it sure worked for him to say, "It yeah. looks like you killed her." Uh, yeah. Maybe Padme thought, or maybe Palpatine thought that. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? Um, but I think that Vader finds out Vader becomes obsessed with Skywalker, uh, mm-hmm. obviously knowing it's his son. Um, 
Palpatine at some point, I think, feels the disturbance in the Force and yeah. does his own investigation. And I think this is the first time Palpatine's playing his hand and going like, by the way, I'm pretty sure this new threat is your son. And yeah. seeing how Vader reacts in yeah. Vader, I think Vader's like, how is this possible? It's both him playing dumb and also going like, asshole, you told me right. I killed her. Yeah. Did you know anything else? And then on top of that, they're both doing the dance of like, well, for millennia, the Sith arrangement was a master and an apprentice. But now we won. Yeah. Have the rules changed? And I think Vader's floating that of like, look, what if instead of one of us trying to get him to be our apprentice and then killing the other? What if we just had him join both of us? And the Emperor's like interesting breaking millennia of rules sure let's can it be done like yeah uh, to me it's i, I understand it being a yeah. maybe like a uh, confusing thing but if you read yeah all of these manipulative sith arguments going on in the background yeah. it's juicy and interesting to me and it's one of the reasons i do like the special edition uh, later on uh, edition of uh, of mcdarmid yeah doing uh, the voice yeah, uh, I think it adds a little bit more. So great question, Nathan, uh, Dylan, uh, Katie and Caitlin as well. If you have a question for us, and you want to comment on today's episode, do so by reaching out on Twitter at Force Center Pond. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. Go follow us on Instagram, YouTube. Our website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. Tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center is where our merch is at. Take a picture in the shirt. We'll share it. Podcast available in a lot of spots. Whatever you're listening to it right now, you can also find it on Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, uh, Spotify as well. And if there's some place out there where you want us to be, <laughs> just let us know and we'll try to get there. Uh, we've got uh, the encore presentation of Star Wars ranked on YouTube. Some databank brawl ones coming back into play. That was Jennifer, one of her tasks, and uh, she did such a good job. It's been hard for me to pick up that flag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try to get to it. And then on Patreon, saw some new, new followers this week, Joseph. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if you want to help us build the podcast, Podcast, keep going. You can help us out at patreon.com slash force center. And, and uh, we, we've had some talks. Maybe we got some, we'll have some new exciting goals uh, hopefully soon. Oh, yeah. One that yes. came up organically on Twitter. <laughs> I think we're going to make a goal and be a lot of fun. Yeah. So we are almost out of here, but we've got our own things going on. I know you, Joseph, uh, you're traveling to Dragon Con yeah. and uh, shows, story clutter. You got a lot. I got a lot coming up. Uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I'm doing a storytelling show called Story Collider. That's this coming Thursday. Uh, Going to be at DragonCon for sure. Hopefully that DragonCon schedule will get out soon. I've got a fun thing happening uh, with Alex and Molly from Star Wars Explained, but I want it to be on the schedule mm. for sure before I talk about it. Uh, but info on all that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Check out the live shows page. And then uh, I will always update you on my goings-on on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at josephscrimshaw. Uh, is that so? What you got? You got a Dragon Con scoop right now. It's just not a fact. Yet, no? okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for my information, go to kenknapsack.com. I just updated and created the events page, which I kept saying I had, but I didn't have it. <laughs> so I realized you should probably correct that. There's a shows slash events page. You can see what I'm doing, including this coming weekend. If you're listening to the show as we put it out, August 24th will be my hometown, part of the Central Coast Film Society's presentation of Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. In fact, I do believe Nathan Oven. Dale is going to be there, one of our listeners. He's a local up there. So if you're in the central coast of California, you just want to take a trip to God's country where it's always 72 degrees and sunny, uh, head on up. 
to that spot. Go to centralcoastfilmsociety.org for more information. We're almost out of here. In fact, we are out of here. It's been a supersized <laughs> edition. A lot to talk about. And next week, a D23 wrap-up. I should have a special guest. Uh, Andres Cabrera should be returning. He's going to be in attendance, and he'll be our representative, representative so to speak, uh, of experience in everything that Star Wars presents at D23. Exciting. So we'll see you next week. This was Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.